daily, I get comments and messages from people asking why I dump on the church so much. I don't. I dump on the modernists in control of various institutions of the church. There's a difference. I have enormous respect for the offices of priest, deacon, bishop, cardinal, and, of course, for the office of the Holy Father. I can't even imagine what it must be like to live the life dedicated completely to our Lord and his church that is someone unique to living the holy life of the clergy. I, it is also why I do the reporting that I do, and in the way I do, when it comes to the modernists, and it's why I don't call Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church Father, out of respect for the office, not out of disregard. And it is today that I have the duty to tell you that there are now others talking about the good clergy, the ones who teach the traditional faith and want to bring the sacraments in the traditional form, including the Mass to the people. They're not doing that talking in the best way possible. So let's have a look at this and remember to pray for our good priests. Our story takes us to U.S. Catholic, where Pastor Jimmy has, according to his post on Twitter, a story that is underreported in the church today. Sure it is, Pastor. And he's not the one who wrote this, though. Headline. Two different parishes point to divisions in the church. It's written by someone calling themselves Peter Fjordherd. The author begins the piece by describing two different Sunday Masses in two different parishes in the same diocese of Charlotte, North Carolina. The first is, as you guessed it, a Jesuit-run parish that presents the Novus Ordo in all of its innovative happiness, including homilies on the topics that seemed ripped right out of Caesar's talking points but run through the filter of modernism. The second parish is one with the traditional Latin Mass, and the people serving at that Mass Unlike at that Novus Ordo one, are actually people who might be discerning the priesthood and would be able to apply for seminary, and God willing, many of them will apply to seminary in the near future. The author uses the article to ask the question of whether this sort of variety will say, using a different word than he did, he asks if that's good for the church or a sign of something else. But here's the money quote for you. Quote, The two parishes described previously illustrate a tension that is going on across parishes around the country that see themselves as living out the legacy of the Second Vatican Council and those that have become known as Rad Trads, shorthand for Radical Traditionalists, a movement that is quietly transforming parishes around the country. A prime example is St. Matthew Catholic Church, another parish in the Diocese of Charlotte that once boasted a congregation of more than 30,000 and claimed to be the largest par Catholic parish in the United States. It may not be so large at the moment, as the parish reacts both to the minor chastisement and a change in parish leadership. Jane Francisco, a former parishioner at St. Matthew, moved to Charlotte from the Philadelphia area and immediately gravitated to the parish. Led by Monsignor John McSweeney, who retired in 2017, Sunday Mass at St. Matthew routinely filled the 2,000-seat sanctuary with rollicking music, the combined Gregorian chant with contemporary Christian evangelical pop, end quote. It's amazing to me that that parish got that large, all things considered. The author goes on to describe the various quote-unquote lay ministries at the parish that there were like 103 of them. We'll call it the works-based doctrines that have popped up so much in recent years of the church, a sort of distortion of the message of our Lord and St. James when they described what faith without works was. The parish had 7,000 volunteers over 103 different of these ministries, all framed in the language of Caesar and in the spirit of the age, and even a few focused on Amoris Laetitia itself. And then leadership at the parish changed. Further down in the article, we get this. The priest had the audacity, the new priest, to preach the de fide dogma of extra ecclesium nulla salus, the necessity of the faith. And then this, quote, the music has a more formalistic tone. While the Mass is still in English, parishioners expect that Latin will be incorporated soon. A similar drama is happening all over the country. 
In come the smells and bells, out goes an emphasis on the, the notions of Caesar and the Leviathan. Former parishioners may leave for another parish or even another denomination, but their ranks are often replaced by new parishioners, often from miles away and often wealthy, and more likely to give large sums to the church. Rad trads fill social media insisting that they are instigating a cultural renaissance. It's about offering a worship haven removed from a course and culture, proponents say. End quote. Well, mostly quote. I had to, you know, clean that up a little bit. He goes on to interview a priest from a com contemplative community in Charlotte that says that Catholics who love the spirit of Vatican II suddenly don't fit into things in the parish and in growing numbers of parishes around the country. If that's the case, then, well, sorry, but that's a good thing. It means that the direction of the church at the level of the lady is moving itself back in the direction of being something our forebearers in the faith would have recognized, that at least some of the overt aspects of modernism are being discarded. However, to be a traditional parish requires more than the smells and bells being brought back. It requires more than Latin at the Mass. It requires more than the traditional Latin Mass being said by the priest. And it requires more for the laity than to attend a mass by a traditional priestly fraternity, like the FSSP or the SSPX or others. It requires, dare I say, for the faithful to learn the faith, to hold fast to what the church has always taught. If that doesn't line up with Caesar and his ideas, if that doesn't work in concert with the work of the beast, then maybe that should tell people something. At the start of this, I talked about the new works-based doctrines that modernism promotes. And I did that for a reason. This article uses the lack of countless lay ministries using the language of the modern world as an example of how wicked the traditional movement is. The author does it subtly, but says the lack of works programs in each parish at the parishes attempting to re-embrace the traditional faith is something that has caused the laity in those places to seek new parishes where modernism still reigns, in the form of countless works-based programs and rock and roll masses and the notion of Caesar being preached at the altar. Some have even formed a group in their diocese trying to stop this tide of young, new, traditionally-minded priests from continuing this work of restoration in the church. This is exemplified in the quote from this lady who says she entered the church because of Vatican II. Quote, Fifty years ago, she felt the excitement generated by Vatican II. Now she speaks forlornly of a church that used to invite lay participation, but is now, she says, dominated by clericalism. If it wasn't for Vatican II, I would not be a Catholic. It has been tremendous for me. I bought into Vatican II, she says. But now, she says, it's totally changed. It's not what Vatican II spoke of. End quote. I remember when Francis first employed that language to describe traditionally minded priests, and it appears to have stuck with some folks. The piece continues on like that. And if you want to read it for yourself, I have a link to it posted in my show notes today at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this channel with a .org at the end. Skip past the Patreon pop-up, and you should see the post with the relevant links pretty easily. But that article is illustrative of something. I have it on good authority from one of the patrons of this channel that someone near and dear to Pastor Jimmy's heart is talking to various Catholic radio shows, which tend to be much more Vatican II-focused, and that figure is telling the faithful to not tune into shows like, well, like mine. He does it without naming anyone, but we know who he means, and that figure is the bishop of the Archdiocese of the Internet himself, a soft-spoken modernist, Baron. We're all aware at this point of his focus on the traditional Catholic faith, and the traditional liturgy, and the growth in recent years of the bit of parishes that are trying to offer something our forebears would have recognized, both in the liturgy and in the faith itself. Why this rejection of innovation is so worrisome for some people would be mystifying, except for the undisputed fact that figures at the Second Vatican Council, like Cardinal Swinnens, describe Vatican II as being France in 1789 in the Church, making himself or Pope Paul VI the Robespierre in this story, which is Probably not a comparison any of these figures who make this comparison ever intended to make, all things considered. 
And that period of change, we'll say, is being quietly undone, at least in the hearts and minds of many of the laity. And for that, they take to the radio and internet to tell the faithful to not tune in. Why? Because at Vatican II, by the admission of the prelates of the Church, the institutions and people of the Church took a more worldly approach to things. The windows of the Church were open to let in some fresh air, as they say. Fresh air in the form of the ideas of the world at the most transformative period possibly in the 20th century, the mid-1960s. Great timing, guys, really. And we saw that in the Church. And frankly, it's like in many ways that the Church is stuck in the 1960s. The traditional teachings and liturgy and devotional life of the Church are timeless while much of what we see looks like something stuck in a time capsule now. It's really quite remarkable when you notice this. Which is why for these folks, the refrain of real Vatican II has never been tried, we just need to try real Vatican II. That's silly, and it reminds me of what these folks often say about the secular rule and ideas from the Cold War, that the real version of that stuff has never been tried either. But that having all been said, my suspicion is this, that most of these traditionally-minded priests are actually much closer to the barons of the church than, say, to the Archbishop Lefebvre's of the church, and that they are probably strict adherents to the hermeneutic of continuity, which is the idea that the documents of Vatican II should be read in light of and in continuity with everything that came before the council. That has actually been the official stance of the Vatican for more than 50 years, and has proven to not be doable in practice, when there are obvious inconsistencies between some of the conciliar statements and things found in, say, the Syllabus of Errors, for example, or with some basic Catholic practices from before the Council. And that's a tired subject, one that I don't intend to revisit here, but that is my suspicion. And if I'm right, and I think that I am, then what the reality shows is that this hand-wringing is really more about the notions and professed beliefs of Caesar in our current day than about anything else, because in that piece a bunch of that stuff also was expressed. Nothing timeless, nothing of very little or about how the faith is presented before and after the Council, but rather about Again, anything and everything that can be filed under works. And that's the giveaway here. What do you think about this? Let me know your thoughts in the comments, please. And engage with each, with each other out of respect, please. And like and subscribe and hit that bell and all that stuff. It does help. And please pray for the church and for our good priests who have to deal with this kind of scrutiny for attempting to be a shepherd in the mold of the saints. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.